Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett, and I am the lead pastor here. And I'm so glad you've decided to join us today. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, you who've been praying for me. If you didn't know, last uh, Saturday, I threw my back out, and I was immobile, and basically for 48 hours, I couldn't get up. I wasn't able to make a church at the park, and Joel Berry stepped in last minute to speak uh, for me. Thanks so much, uh, Joel. And uh, over the last few days, I've really been just trying to heal and stretch and get back on my feet. And so uh, today, as I deliver this message to you, this is going to be the longest uh, that I will be standing. Uh, But I'm so thankful for uh, your prayers and uh, for all the people who have reached out. If you could continue uh, just to pray for my health, for healing, uh, that I'll continue to be able to move and kind of get to the bottom of what's causing this pain. I've had back issues for uh, really the last 20 years and I never really dealt with what the, the core issues are. So I'm beginning to take steps to find out what that is, beginning to talk to my, my medical team about that. Uh, but again, just appreciate uh, the, the team of prayer warriors at Ridgeview. And I thought it was very interesting. Uh, last week, we started the series called Unstoppable, uh, talking about the church. And here I am, the pastor who hit a wall uh, and couldn't actually even be at church last week. And so I think that's a great picture that the church is, is more than just uh, the pastor. It's more than just one person. Uh, it is the collective group of people that God calls together. And in this series, we're talking about uh, what God does to this day with that group of people that still gather in Jesus' name. And I just want to summarize, uh, we're focusing on the book of Acts. And uh, if you have uh, interest in, in reading the book of Acts, I encourage you to do that. Uh, We started a Bible plan last week. Uh, If you're interested on your connection card today, you can let us know and we'll send you that plan. It's a great guide for you to walk through the major themes and verses and chapters of the book of Acts. But we're studying the early church so that we can, as a church, model uh, the same principles that they applied uh, over 2,000 years ago. And so I just want to summarize kind of the major themes of what happened in the beginning movement of the early church in the first century and how that extends to us today. And today the focus is on uh, unstoppable unity, how we can be a church that's unified together. So let's dig in. Uh, The church uh, movement uh, exactly began as that. It was something that was fueled by a singular event, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was obviously the founder of this movement. He taught, he healed, he helped people, he met people where they were at. He challenged the status quo. He challenged religious leaders who were focusing on the outward appearance, but not the heart. And Jesus really spoke to get to the heart of people. He met people with what really was concerning them in the heart. And so Jesus came and lived a life and died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again. And the movement of the church, this unstoppable movement, has always been and should always be connected to the person of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. That really does change everything. And that changes the very reason and the reason for why uh, we gather. And so it began from that event and then it, it traveled fast. When it first began, over 3,000 people joined after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. His followers about the time were about 120 people. And Jesus had left and he said, listen, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to take what you have seen and what you've heard from me and you're going to share that throughout the world. You're going to start here in your local context, Jerusalem, and then you're going to keep going to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And that 120 people were faithful to his charge. 
and they began talking about all that they had seen. They began to, to teach just like they had heard Jesus teach. And 3,000 people at that moment turned their lives over to Jesus and said, we wanna follow this Christ. We wanna follow this risen one who is the Messiah and Savior of the world. About two weeks after that, another 5,000 men, just men, joined. And as you can see, the expansion began and the ripples continued. And we're here today because of that movement that was started from Jesus as he left, gave his Holy Spirit, and the movement has been unstoppable ever since. The reason I want to talk about unity is it's so important as we talk about the church to kind of get behind what this collective group is because there's nothing quite like the church. The Christian church is something that's unique as it brings people from very various backgrounds and ethnicities and cultures and pasts and maybe even goals of where people are headed. It's people from all different kinds of experiences, but it brings them together with one mission, and that is to continue to share the difference that Jesus can make in a life. When you decide to follow him, your life changes. You get changed from the inside out, again, at the heart, just like Jesus taught. And when you do that with a group of people, you begin to change together and life transformation happens. And that's where your family can change and your life can change. And that's where we can change neighborhoods and we can change communities because we're changing. And whatever we're a part of can experience the same change because we're changing God's changing us, and things are actually becoming new. The old is gone, and the new is coming, as, as the Bible says. And so there's something about this unity which multiplies the effort of the church because it's the sense of people are seeing the same thing consistent over a group of people. And so I want to tie in the unity of the early church and kind of what that means uh, for us today. So let's get into the characteristics We've talked a little bit about the movement, but let's talk about the characteristics of the early church. Here's the first thing. Unity led to expansion and growth. Sometimes when you think of unity or you think of like a close-knit group, it seems like it's, it's closed. Like you have a tight-knit family or you have a tight-knit group of friends, and it can be like a tight circle. Like no one can, can penetrate. We're loyal to each other. We're, we're faithful to each other, and it's kind of like this closed group. And if you're on the outside looking in, that may seem like that's... That's good, but you're not a part of it, and so it doesn't have an impact on you. Well, the church is actually the opposite. It's a unified group that's always looking to open up to bring more people in so that this unified group keeps growing. And they keep wanting to open up to bring more people in so this unified group keeps growing and growing and growing. And that's how countless lives are changed. And today, there's about 2.3 billion people in the world who have decided to follow Christ, who identify themselves as Christians. Now, we don't know exactly the faith status of each of those people, but you can see from 120 to 2.3 billion, the unity of the church has always led to expansion and growth. Now, has the unity been perfect? No. Has there been problems? Yes. There has been so many uh, things that have happened in the church that have split the church so many different ideas and ideologies that were different, that's created different sects and denominations and all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, there's still this unstoppable unity of the people that gather in Jesus' name that cannot be stopped. And I wanna read kind of how this started in Acts chapter two and uh, pay attention to some of, of the, the characteristics and the descriptions of, of what they did. Let's dig in with verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the passage starts with they accepted his message. The message they're talking about here is Peter. Peter had just begun to tell them and they're, they're seeing, wow, what is happening? It seems like this, this miraculous signs are happening and, and people are speaking in uh, languages that these people are understanding all from different regions and it's this multi-ethnic, multi-culture gathering and people are seeing the presence of God in their midst. And people are wondering like, are these people drinking? Like, are they drunk? And Peter gets up and says like, we're not drinking, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning, but here's what's happened. We've just decided to follow the risen Jesus whom you crucified. And he begins to explain again who Jesus was. And he begins to talk to the fact that he died for our sins. And he encourages the people like, what, what are you supposed to do? You need to, you need to repent. You need to follow him. You need to give your life to him. The Messiah who's been prophesied for thousands of years in the Old Testament, which they all knew. And so the message was given by Peter, this idea of you need to believe in the Lord Jesus and you need to repent. You need to turn away from going your own way and follow Jesus. Follow the risen Christ. And, and many did, as you could see. 3,000 were, were added and they were unified. It's the sense that there's a group of people that decided to do that. And then Peter told all the people that were looking in, listen, you can do this too. You can decide to follow Jesus. This is not a special group. This is not an elite group that's closed. This isn't about crazy people. This is about you deciding right now, today, you can be a follower of Jesus. And so they thought, and they said, well, I, I've heard about this Christ. I've seen the lives change. And they began to look at all these people, see the joy in their heart, see the courage and boldness that they had. And they were struck to the heart. The scriptures say they were cut to the heart. Again, what did it do? It got right inside them at the core of who they were. And they were unified. I want to follow Jesus. They went public with their faith, 120, 3,000, 5,000 more. And then if you notice the end of that passage, it says the Lord added daily to those who were being saved. So every day there was new people deciding, I want to follow Jesus. And the movement was growing. And so this unity that they believed in the person of Jesus Christ, they'd given their lives to follow him. That was the unifying factor. We live in a time now where we want to talk about unity, but all we focus in is our differences. We have so much related to identity politics, related to the color of our skin, related to our socioeconomic status, where we live, who we are. And we spend so much time talking about our unity by focusing on our differences. But that actually doesn't make sense. And this is where the Christian movement, again, cuts to the heart of what is really needed in our society. It's needed in our culture, it's needed in our country. And that is that Christ is the only one who can unify us. It's not about the color of our skin. It's not about where we've come from, although those things matter. God has made us unique, each and every one of us. But it's only when we decide to follow Jesus that we now can be unified by the name that's above all names, meaning Jesus is the one 
that brings all the differences together. He, he has torn the hostility that exists between us and people. That's what the scripture says. He's torn down that wall, that wall of hostility, the fact that we see our differences and we're repulsed by them. It's only when we decide to follow Christ, when we receive the forgiveness of our sins, that we can see that our differences actually are not the things that we need to focus on. We need to focus on the unified mission of Jesus to share the love that he's given us to the rest of the world. And the movement began then, and it's been unstoppable ever since. And they were together. They had everything in common. And so again, they're saying like, you know what? What do we have in common? Let's, let's focus on that. Well, we all want to be loved. And with Jesus, we can be loved. And we all have needs. And with Jesus providing for us, we can actually take care of those needs. And so there's again the sense of they were looking out for each other. They weren't focused on themselves. They really did practice the hard attitude that we've been talking about so much at church, put the goals and interests of others above my own. Why would you do that? Because you know this Jesus is gonna take care of me. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to help guide us. He's not left us alone. He can be trusted. And this expansion and growth began and it continues to this day. So unity led to expansion and growth. And unity also led, this is a key characteristic, to generosity and grace. Now, it wasn't just growth. It wasn't just a group that just kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger. As the group grew bigger, there were certain characteristics of it which represented the kingdom of God, which represents a piece of heaven that came down to earth through God's people, fueled by the Holy Spirit, God himself in us. And we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit is basically when you decide to follow Christ, God lives within you. When we talk about new life, the reason you have new life is not because all of a sudden you've miraculously done something different. It's because that God who was not living inside you now lives inside you through the Holy Spirit. And now you have that new life. You have a piece of the heaven, this kingdom of God within you. And you now have an opportunity to live it out. And so their unity, their gathering in Jesus' name, following him, led to this just, just generosity and, and grace. And I already talked about the, the giving you know, to those that had needs, but I want to talk a little bit more about this uh, in Acts chapter 4. So fast forward a couple more chapters. Check out this description. All the believers were one in heart and mind. I just want to stop there. That's really important. Again, it doesn't mean that they were all the same. There were people from different countries that were gathered in this place at the time of Pentecost. There were people that didn't speak the same language that were, were gathered together. There were people that didn't have the same socioeconomic status. Again, it was full of people who were different, but the focus wasn't on the differences. The focus was that they were one in heart and mind. That is, again, focused on the event and the person of Jesus Christ. It was all about him. It was all about the movement that they could have been a part of. So they were a part one in heart and mind. And it goes on, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. So it translates into this action. But they shared everything they had. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Again, it goes back to that event. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. This is amazing, everybody. 
It is so easy to read this sometimes and be like, oh, that was very interesting. But if you read this through the lens of our American culture, it just goes exactly in the opposite direction of what is normal. These people decided, despite their differences, they were in one heart and mind. We're going to set aside what makes us different, and we're going to focus on the fact that in our differences, Christ brings us together. That is real unity. Christ brings us together. And they looked out for each other, and they loved each other, and they were gracious, and they didn't consider their own things their own things. They shared. They were willing to sell their property. At that time, that was your identity. That was your livelihood. If you had property, it was probably passed on to you from generation to generation. And they were willing to lay it all down to be a part of this unstoppable movement of the early church. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just striking. How are they willing to do this? What happened? Well, I just want to summarize based on those two passages on the expansion and growth and the generosity and grace all fueled by the unity they experienced. Here's the characteristics summarized. Number one, they were inclusive. They were a group that Again, wasn't closed. They were including other people. And you can see references there, and I encourage you, uh, you can read these to get a little bit more of the context of the book of Acts. Then it mentions they were devoted to a number of things. This is really important. In their unity, they were devoted to the same things. Some weren't devoted to this, and some devoted to that, and they just went their own ways. They were devoted together in unity to these things. The first, the apostles' teaching. Uh, This became the New Testament. The apostles' teaching were the early disciples and their followers who testified about the Lord Jesus. Again, like in the book of Acts, that's part of the the teaching. We can see Luke's account of what Peter did. Later in the chapters, we can see Luke's account of, of what Paul did and Barnabas and all the missionary journeys and the gospels and, and everything that we can see. This is the apostles' teaching. They devote themselves to, to fellowship. That word is koinonia. Uh, sharing in, in common. It's this partnership. It's this sense of you serve me and, and I serve you. You check on me and I check on you. They were devoted to that. There was no one-sided somebody using another person. They're devoted to this common love and kindness to each other. They were also devoted to worship. That's the breaking of bread. They're devoted to remembering the Lord's sacrifice. That event, again, that he shed his blood and that his body was broken for us. They were devoted to prayer. In two weeks from today, we're going to talk about that, what it means to be unstoppable in our prayer as a church. They're also devoted to this, this witness of sharing what they've seen and sharing what they've heard so that other people can hear about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week, how to be this unstoppable witness somebody who actually shares about Jesus Christ in everyday life. Now for you, I want to encourage you, what does this mean for you? Well, this is what the early church did, but this is also the characteristics of what we should be doing as a church. As I talk about being devoted to uh, reading the scriptures, the New Testament, are you devoted to that in your life? Is that something that drives you every day where you want to get into the word of God? Are you devoted to fellowship? That is getting around people from Ridgeview Church and doing life with them. Are you devoted to that? That devoted means that it's something that that drives you. It's something that kind of you build your life around. Are you devoted 
uh, to worship, to really being a part of this church, whether it's online or Church of the Park, and carving that time out and just asking God, God, can I hear from you? Speak to me today. I want to hear what you have to say. Are you devoted to, to prayer and asking God for help? Praying for those in need. And then are you devoted to just asking God, God, help me to be a light in my neighborhood, in my family. Help me to be a light in my marriage if you have somebody who's not believing. Help me to be a light to my kids if they don't believe. Help me to be a light wherever I go. Are you devoted to those things? So this is kind of like a good like, little test. Like, God, am I devoted to these things in the church like I should be? Because everyone in the church, as we're a part of this unstoppable movement, we have to have a commitment to these things. This is how our lives are changed. This is how we grow. And so I talked about they were inclusive and they were devoted to those things. And there's two more characteristics. They were also unified. And that's, again, what this whole message is about. But unity is is very important to God. If you want to know the things of God, look to things that have unity to it, especially within the church. If there's a lot of fighting there's cliques and factions and divisiveness, that's usually evidence that God's not at work there. That's usually evident that there's some things going on where the flesh, our own human drives and desires, wherever there's conflict, there's some things that are waging war on the unity of the church. In family life, sometimes my wife and I would have to take a step back and say, these things are not pleasing to God. Sam and I may be just in conflict with each other, which is normal, but our kids may be in conflict with each other, in conflict with us, and sometimes you have to say, God, We need your help. We need your Holy Spirit here. We need you to to lead us forward in this this love and in this unity. And so wherever disunity is, is usually a good kind of indicator. We we need the presence and we need the help of God. Because God isn't behind division. He doesn't drive it. So if you see division, it's usually an indicator. God needs to come into this situation and he needs to be invited in. And he needs to be pursued. And he needs to be asked for help, and, and he'll, he will bring it. And so they were not only inclusive, and they were not only devoted, but they were committed to this unity. Like they were, they were going to stand for whatever they could to keep this unity together. It was so important. Because they knew what was at stake. As soon as disunity, factions, divisiveness, the whole movement just becomes fractured. And now people from the outside looking in say, why would I want to be a part of that? These people don't even get along. And so they were committed to the unity. And then the fourth is they, they were generous. This is actually the word close to the fellowship, the koinonia. This is koinokos, which closely related to fellowship. And this is the idea like over the long haul, we're going to be committed to generosity, uh, to give uh, what you have and to give uh, who you are. It's the sense of like, I'm not going to hold back. Oftentimes we hold back from people to protect ourselves. We hold back because we don't want to get hurt. Or we hold back because we just want enough for ourselves. It's really easy to do that. But to be generous means I'm going to give you my time even if I'm busy. I'm going to make time for church even though I have other things I have to do. You'll never not have, you know, you, you don't have a plethora of time. There's always choices you have to make. But the characters of this church, they were going to always choose to be generous with time for each other. That meant they are going to, put time on their calendar, however they kept their calendars, but they were going to make sure there was spots of time where we have time for the church, to the gathering of these people. We're going to leave time for opportunities that we don't even know about. We're going to be available. We're going to carve out the time 
This is the characteristics of the church, not just then, but this is the characteristics of the church today. This is the characteristic of what our church should be like as well. I don't know about you, but this, this is encouraging and challenging to me. I read this and I'm thinking, this is what the world needs right now. We need this unity. We need one heart and we need one mind. Not in a generic idea of just this one love, but we need Jesus. We need him desperately. And the world needs him. So the question keeps coming to mind is why? Why would they be devoted to unity like this? Why would they be willing to give of what they have to others? Why would they be willing to lay down what they have at the apostles' feet to keep the movement going? Why would they do this? Because I read that and I'm a pastor and I think this is kind of crazy. It almost seems like it couldn't even be possible today. But, but why? I think it's this. Within this new unstoppable church, they experienced life change together. The reason they were willing to do these things and to go to great lengths and great costs themselves, their lives had been changed. Marriages had been changed. Conflict had been solved. Peace had come. Hope was given. They had experienced change, but not just isolated from each other. They experienced change together. They were becoming different people. Neighbors relating differently. Family members relating differently. Jesus had entered their lives and the change had radically changed a whole community. And it changed the city. And it changed the region. And people were willing to sacrifice whatever they could because they had experienced the living God. Check out this in Acts 2.43. Everyone... Okay, very important word. Everyone was filled with awe. That's what was going on. All these things are happening. The expansion and the growth, they're filled with awe. People laying their their belongings to sell, to provide for the movement. Generosity and grace. People were filled with awe. Another version, ESV. And awe came upon every soul. The New Living Translation. A deep sense of awe came over them all. It was like this cloud of God's presence. This just movement of God in their midst changed their lives and they could never go back. They could never go back to their just own family, their own household, doing their own thing that they've always done. They'd experienced life change together. And that is the same thing that we see today in Ridgeview Church And this is the thing that we always, always, always have to fight for. God, we want to see you work in our midst. We want to see you change our lives to help us to grow. We want to see you here. And now we want to be a part of this movement so people within the city of Fontana and Rancho and San Bernardino and the Inland Empire and Southern California, that they could experience this life change as well. We need to be filled with the awe of God moving How has God been moving in your life? How has he been helping you? How has he used this church to encourage you, to remind you, to challenge you? How has he used the people of the church to pull you forward, to give you examples that you can follow? 
That word awe comes from the Greek word phobos, which is actually where we get the word phobia. It's like a fear. Like we have a phobia of something. But in the original intent, this word awe is a sense of reverence. Much like maybe you have a phobia of something. If you have, you're scared of spiders and you open the, the room and you see a spider and what do you do? You just freeze. And you're now measuring and paying attention to where your position is. You stop. In the sense of the movement of God, that phobos, the awe, is something has happened here. And I cannot ever forget it. I need to stop my tracks. I need to pay attention. I need to measure God is at work. And he's at work in the church today. The global church, lives are being changed throughout the world. There are still people today that are dying for their faith, but they're not turning away because they believe in the risen Jesus. There's lives that are changed at Ridgeview just in the past two years where they were going their own way, really led to just a life trying to figure it out by themselves, to people turning to the risen Jesus, giving their lives to him, and their families are changed. Lives are changed today, just like they were now, and we should be filled with this reverence. God is still at work. He's here, and he is active, and they were filled with this awe. Now, it's very interesting. That was in Acts 2. The awe came over everyone. And then in Acts 4, I shared all that happened. It's very interesting. Oftentimes, we want an experience, right? We want a feeling. Like, I just want to feel better. We can be so emotional. I can be, you know, guilty of that as well. Like, I just want to feel better. I just want to feel good. I just want this to be over. I just want to feel good about my life. We want a feeling. Feelings become things that we chase. We're just chasing a feeling. We're chasing a feeling. This is not what the church is. It's not about feeling. Because awe should always lead to action. Acts 2.43, they were all, everyone filled with awe. Acts 4, they are laying their goods at the feet of the movement of the church. Do whatever you will. Awe always leads to action. And this is where I want to close out. I hope that somewhere in your life, you have seen God at work in your life. And maybe you're looking, I, I, don't, I don't see it, I, I don't feel it, I don't, well, maybe it's right now. Maybe he's, he's literally calling you to himself right now. Maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus and today is the day. Turn your life over to him. Take that moment, stop and measure. Who is this God? Is he real? Did he send his son to pay the price for my sins? If he did, it will change your life. And if not, then what are you doing for your meaning, for your purpose, for direction? Are you just figuring out yourselves? So this could be the moment, the awe moment, where you stop and you say, God, I do want to follow you. Maybe there's just some recent experience where you can see God has come through. And so I want to just close out. Out of awe, how can we respond in unity as a church? And we've shared our move to Jesse Turner beginning on June 6th. We're meeting in a new location. The reason we're so excited is this new location gives us an opportunity to reach new people. Daily, those who were being saved, we want to experience that. We want to add to our number those who experience the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so here's just a couple practical ways. First, if you've not been baptized, you can see this theme in the book of Acts. They believed and they were baptized. You decide to follow Christ and then you get baptized as soon as you're ready. And so if you've never been baptized and you're a follower of Christ, 
We're having a baptism on May 23rd. We're gonna have it right at Olive Grove Park right after the service. One of the hard things about online church is we can't baptize you virtually. If you've never been baptized, I encourage you, come to church on May 23rd. That could be your next step. Basically, like out of unity, I wanna move public with my faith. I wanna join this movement of the church. So let us know and we'd love to baptize you next week. We'll follow up with you. The next is, is you can give. We talked about helping us getting a grip. You, you can give, just like the early church did. You can give financially. We've set a fund up on our giving page. If you go to ridgeviewchurch.com give, you go to the, the funds, there's a, a move fund. If you wanna give to help us with our move, we're gonna be buying new equipment and new resources. If you wanna just give to our general fund, that supports all the mission of the church. Wherever you find yourself, you can give financially today to be a part of the movement that God wants to do. You can also give of your time if you'd like to volunteer. If you're just staying online, you're trying to figure out what can I do to help, let us know you'd like to volunteer and we will find some things that you can do to help our church. And so decide today, I will give financially or I'll give my time by serving and you can mark that on the connection card. And the last, help us get a grip so it's given and it's to, to rally. How can you rally the people around you how can you encourage someone this week? How can you encourage someone within Bridgeview? Just, you know, I appreciate you. I, I thank you for, for what you do. Just reach out to somebody. How can you share how God has been growing you? If, if you share what God's doing in your life, that can encourage somebody else. That's what they were doing in the early church. Life change together. Life change together. And then last, just who could you be generous with? Is there just somebody that, you know what? I should be generous with my time. If you're a parent, maybe you just need to be generous with your time with, with one of your kids. Like you just need to just let them see you in the flesh, face to face, not doing anything else, not being distracted. Maybe you need to be generous with a friend. Maybe you need to be generous by giving something to somebody that you know is in need. This is how the church works. We roll up our sleeves together and we do whatever is needed to meet the needs. So I'm so glad you were here this morning. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. We want you to be a part of our church. We want you to be in this movement right here and right now with what God is doing. So consider these things. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the testimony of the early church as we can read in the book of Acts. Thank you for the Bible, which instructs us and guides us and challenges us. It's so easy to get caught in just the American dream which is a lot of times self-focused. It's easy to get caught up in our own agendas. But there's times, Lord, where you just open up, kind of split the sky a little bit, and we can see clearly the clouds depart, and we can see we can be a part of something far greater than anything on this earth. We can be a part of the unstoppable movement of the church. Lord, help us to expand our giving of our time, of our resources, of our finances. Help us to rally others in encouragement. Help us to close the distance that exists between us and others. Lord, we pray this in the name of your precious son, Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen.